Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be talking about some stuff that I'm really excited about, a story that I really like in the Bible, and uh, I believe that we're not just going to talk about it, but that it's going to be really helpful for some people. So are you ready to be helped by the Word of God this morning? Yes, we're going to read the Bible, and uh, we're not just going to read these words like we talked about at the beginning. The God of the universe is going to speak to you this morning. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready for that. Awesome. Um, Mark chapter 5, head that way if you're not there yet. Uh, also, we've been talking about the app. The Bible and notes are available in the app if you have that or want to get it. Pull out your Bible and notes. I didn't mention that part. The Bible that's in your seat, if you don't have a Bible, take it with you. Keep it forever. Our gift to you. As we get started this morning, uh, you know, if you've been around uh, this church for any amount of time, you probably know a bit of my story. But, you know, for me, I didn't always love Jesus all that much. And when I grew up, I was in church, went to a Christian school, all this kind of stuff. But my attitude towards Jesus was kind of like, it's just Jesus. You know, like, Jesus is great, but it's just Jesus. Like, Jesus was pretty casual. Like, knowing Jesus or following Jesus, being a Christian was pretty, pretty uneventful. And I just kind of had this understanding that, that to be a Christian, to follow Jesus, meant like you, you went to church on Sundays, you tried to act better than people who said they weren't Christians, and that was pretty much the pinnacle of it, because Jesus was great, but, you know, it's just Jesus. But when I started to follow Jesus and decided I really want to get to know Jesus, and, and I need help in my life, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, when I was like 19 or something, I, uh, this this attitude, this thought of just Jesus started to get uh, really beat up by the fact that Jesus isn't just Jesus. I began to find out that this just Jesus guy was not really actually the real Jesus. Started reading my Bible and reading things in there and seeing things that Jesus did and said and realized, wow, this isn't just Jesus at all. He, he's not just warm and fuzzy Jesus. He's not just self-help want you make you feel comfortable, Jesus. He's not actually even just like white Republican Jesus. Shocking, right? Wow, that's not just Jesus. He's, he's not even just here to be nice and make us happy kind of Jesus. There's actually stuff. As I started to read this book and, and try to actually even put it into practice, I realized, wow, Jesus is wild. He's not just Jesus at all. Some of the things I thought about him weren't so right after all. And this morning, I want to talk about one of those things. Can we do that? I want to talk about one of those stories I read and thought, well, I've read that before, but kind of skipped over that, and we should probably take that a little bit more seriously. There might be something in there. So we're going to read Mark chapter 5, 20 whole verses. Can we do it? Yeah. We've been reading a lot of Bible verses so far this year in church, and I think that's a good thing. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Should we call it volunteers, or should I just read it? I'm kidding. Mark chapter 5, here we go. Verse 1, they came, speaking of Jesus and his disciples, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, in which, uh, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, interesting, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Apparently they tried, for they had often been bound, he had often been bound with chains and shackles, but he wrenched the chains apart. And he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had strength to subdue him. Sound like anybody's kids. <laughs> Not mine. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him. And crying out, <clears throat> what's going on with my voice? 
Crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Is that creepy to anybody else or just me? And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. It gets weirder. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they, the spirits, begged Jesus, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. No big deal. And the unclean spirit came out, entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, 2,000 pigs, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Just a normal day at church. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and the country, and people came to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And the man went away. He began to proclaim in the Decapolis, in Indianapolis, amen, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. All right. Just think about that while I try to fix my throat. Did they go find the pigs and eat the bacon? That's the question that I want to talk about. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a fair question. Come on. Now, the message that I want to preach to you this morning, I want to give it a title, as you put it at the top of your notes. I want to title this message Legion. Legion. I knew nobody was going to think that was cool except me. Now, I know in our culture, in our Western world, we don't really like talking about legion and devils and demons and all this kind of stuff. Lots of people don't even really think that this kind of stuff exists, like hell, devils, the devil himself, demons, all that kind of stuff. That's not even real. That's made up. That's like fantasy, things of the past. And the truth is that, that even when you, when you bring this stuff up in church, even though it's right there in the Bible, you bring this stuff up in church, and a lot of church people like don't know what to do. You know, it's like, oh, we don't... I don't know. What do I do? It's got awkward. Can we just like sing a song again? <laughs> Even in church, a lot of us, we don't really know what to do. And the truth is, we think it's like, okay, maybe that stuff exists, but that's like out there, you know, like over across the ocean. Or there's like tribal people that deal with that kind of stuff. And that's in like third world countries and stuff, right? That's what a lot of people think when we start talking about this. And, and I know and I can feel that already. We're already making people feel uncomfortable just by saying some of these words. And, and I, so I know it's not fun to talk about, but, but I think it's right there in the Bible, so we should talk about it. So we're going to do that. And I think the reason that I want to talk about it is not just because it makes us feel uncomfortable and I like making people feel uncomfortable. That's not the truth. The reason I want to talk about it is because when we ignore the reality of legion, when we ignore the reality of, of hell and devils and demons in our lives, we actually miss out on an incredible revelation of how amazing Jesus is and how much we need him and why we need him. So that's why I want to talk about this this morning because I don't want to miss who Jesus is in this story. 
I don't want to get distracted by Legion and miss Jesus. And when we miss the fact that Legion's for real, we miss part of what makes Jesus so for real. And when we miss that, we also miss a huge part of what we're actually called to. There's a lot to this, and I don't want to miss it. There's this verse uh, that's, that's pretty well known. If you've been in church much in your life, you've probably heard this before or read it. It's in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says this, Jesus is talking, and he's talking about the devil, and he says, the thief, speaking of the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, in talking about the devil, Jesus is telling us the devil exists uh, for, for really one simple reason, to bring death and fear to your life. He's essentially a terrorist. This is what the devil is. He's a terrorist, and that's why he exists in your life, and he is for real. He is not to be ignored. He's a terrorist, and now I'm not an expert on ISIS or anything, but from what I can gather, the way you stop terrorists is not by knocking on their doors and saying, hey, guys, you're being really mean. It's time to stop. Right? I've found, at least from what I can understand in our natural world, that's not how you stop a terrorist. And I would like to submit to you that maybe that's also not how we stop spiritual terrorists. Just by simply saying, hey, guys, come on. Let's be better than that. Jesus continues the verse. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I believe that when Jesus is sharing this verse, especially this second half of the verse, that he is not just being, he's not, he's not being just put this on a coffee mug because it's nice Jesus. I think that this verse really is a declaration of war against the devil. That Jesus is standing and he's saying there is an enemy, there is a devil, and his, his mission is to bring fear and destruction and death into your life. But I want you to know I've come. And I've come to stand against him, to stand against his schemes, to stop the advancement of those things in your life and bring life. Where he brings death, I'm bringing life. And I'm not even just going to bring some life. I want to bring life abundantly. Come on. That's my King Jesus. He's not just Jesus. He's here to stand against the things trying to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. And he wants to pour out life and life extra. 1 John 3.8 says this, says the reason, this is right there in the Bible, second bit there, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I like that. I really like that about Jesus. I really like this verse. It's not a verse, I, like I said, we talk a lot about because it's so extreme and out there. I mean, <laughs> didn't he come to also like be nice and... All this? Yes, absolutely. And destroy the devil. This is why he came. And I, I like this about Jesus. This makes me happy that Jesus came to destroy the devil because I have this thing, call me crazy, but I really hate what the devil does. I really hate that every time we turn on the news, it's another story about what the devil does. And I know this gets weird. It's like, why well, aren't people doing some of these things? And yes, okay, but here's my philosophy on devils. If it does what the devil does, it's a devil. I'm not saying the person's a devil, but whatever's doing it behind the scenes, it's a devil. It's not from God. I do know that.
I don't like that every story that gets airtime is about pain and death and destruction and all that births is fear and all of these sorts of things. I like that Jesus stepped into our earth, stepped into our lives and said, you know what? I'm gonna come and get against that. I'm gonna bring the opposite. I'm gonna bring some life. I'm gonna bring some life into this place. So I like that Jesus isn't just wear your nice Sunday clothes, Jesus. I love Jesus. Why am I saying all this? My point in saying all of this is that this kind of stuff in Mark chapter 5, it can be something that we really easily skip over because there's a lot, there's a lot we don't understand. There's a lot I don't understand. I'm not some expert on everything and devils and all these kinds of things, but you start talking about demon possession, it's like, eh, let's move on. Let's say it by grace. Let's talk about that. There's a lot of stuff that we can skip over but I don't think that we should skip over it because this guy in Mark chapter five, I think we can all agree, I'm not trying to judge him. I'm just saying he's pretty messed up. This dude's pretty messed up. And it's a little uncomfortable, but I think that we should be careful in reading Mark chapter five and seeing how messed up he is and thinking we're too different. Oops, did I say that out loud? Maybe the purpose of this story isn't being in the, isn't in the, maybe the purpose of this story being in the Bible is it so that we can read it and think, oh, demon possession, that sounds weird. What's it, that dude's legion? <laughs> That's weird. Maybe the purpose of this story is so that we can read this story, not wonder about who his legion is, but wonder who our legion is. Jesus comes up to this man and he says, what's your name? And the man says, legion, for we are many. We are many. Now, before we go any further, I'm not saying you're demon-possessed. That is not what I'm trying to say. That is not my point this morning. All I'm saying is that Legion goes by a whole lot of names because they are many. There's a lot of names for Legion, and there might be some things in our lives that we've named, that we've given names to, and we maybe have named them issues to work on or stumbling blocks to work on. Or maybe we've named them serious problems that we know really need to get worked on. But whatever that we call it, the truth is that whatever the name is, it's a thief. And it's in your life to steal from you, from what God wants to do in your life, to kill the dreams and the calling and the giftings that God's put on your life and destroy the person he's called you to be. Whatever you can name it, that's what it's there to do. And God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free. Now, I know that you don't live among the tombs. You don't live out among some tombs. But my question is, where are you living completely void of hope? Where has life been totally sucked out of your hope, your vision, your calling, your belief, your faith? What died too early that you're still living with? What dream died too early that you're still living with? You don't live out in the tombs, but there's a lot of death there on there in the inside. I know you don't run around like a crazy person breaking off chains in your life and trying to break things and people aren't literally putting chains around you because you're so out of control, but what's on the inside that's out of control? What urge is so strong in there? What unrest? What, what pain? What's so strong in there? It's just running around driving you nuts and it's trying to find a way out and you're just barely keeping it in. I know you don't yell out at night all day and cut yourself with stones. But what's inside of you that's so painful? 
that you don't like so much. It makes you feel like there's just this explosion on the inside. And it's trying to get out, and you're trying to find the way to let it out, and it's, it's, it's going to get out. You try to keep it in, but you know it comes out. It might not be by cutting. It, may, it might be. But may, maybe it's just an extra drink. Maybe it's extra spending. Maybe it's a secret. Maybe it's checking out at work, at home. It's just ignoring things. Maybe it's disconnecting. I don't know what your release valve is, but whatever it is that needs to get out, it's getting out. And it doesn't just hurt on the inside. It hurts when it comes out too. Maybe you don't cut yourself, but there's something that just needs to catch a breath and you're trying not to let it, but it's finding its way out. My point is this morning, what I'm trying to say is that I don't know what Legion's name is in your life, but I do know that you're not crazy. You need to hear that this morning. Somebody needs to know that, and somebody might be everybody. Whatever Legion is in your life, I may not know its name. Maybe you haven't even named it yet, but you're not crazy. And I do know that the fight is not over. No matter how long it's been there, how bad it's gotten, whoever's given up on you, it doesn't matter because Jesus is still alive and he's still in the business of sending legion right out of you and setting you free and on your way. This is who Jesus is this morning. This is why we've got to talk about this because legion has been putting up his fight for far too long and going unnamed. And once we name him, Jesus steps up and sets us free. And it's time to get free this morning. Amen? If there's one thing that we can learn from this story, it's this, that no matter how many Legion is or no matter who Legion is, he's no match for Jesus. And when we ignore him, we ignore how big Jesus is. We get so scared by how big and how numerous Legion is, but we forget how big Jesus is. Because no matter what Legion's name is, Jesus' name is above it. Jesus' name is above every name. Jesus' name, he's above every devil in hell, every demon that's come against you in your life, every bit of pain, regret, sorrow, loss. Jesus' name is higher. He is above all rule, authority, dominion, and power in your life. No matter what's come against you and holding you down, Jesus' name is higher. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to preach about Jesus, and I think we can get excited about it because his name is above this name. Whatever's been telling you it's, his name's not, he's wrong. His name's higher. His name is higher no matter what it is. And at his name, no matter how many knees have stood themselves up to come against you, their knees must bow at the name of Jesus. No matter how many tongues have risen up in your life to speak against you, speak lies over your life, speak worthlessness over your life, pain, hurt, abuse, damage, it must confess that Jesus is Lord. No matter what that tongue is, it must Confess that Jesus is Lord. At his name, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that they are not king over your life. Jesus is king. Can somebody say Jesus is king this morning? Jesus is king. That was really lame. Somebody say Jesus is king. You said it like a bunch of white people in church. Somebody, come on now. Jesus is king. Are we going to have church? Are we going to believe this stuff? I mean, come on now. Come on. Because here's the deal. I wasn't going to say it, but we'll go there. One of the legions in our life is religion. It tells you you come to church, dress nice, stay seated and quiet, and it's just perfect. Woo! It's, I just feel just, the feathers are getting ruffled, and it's good. It's good. We need them to flare up because when they flare up, listen to this. That man was the most messed up dude in town, but who was the one who got what they needed? 
Why? Because he was the only one that came to the feet of Jesus. Yeah, his demons got real fired up when Jesus came, but guess where it brought him? Right to the feet of Jesus. And when things flare up in your life, this, I love this. What is this? Verse 2, and when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Most of us in our lives, when we see the man show up with the unclean spirit, when our stuff flares up, we start wondering, where's Jesus? Where's God? I thought he left. That's the devil's last stand because Jesus just showed up. Second Jesus stepped out of the boat, the demons threw a fit. Somebody needs to know, you've been getting close to healing. You've gotten your breakthrough, actually. Some of you. But the devil's tried to put up another fight, not because he wasn't beaten, but because he needed to take one more stand. It's his last stand. Somebody needs to know you're on the devil's last stand. You think you're on your last breath, but it's not your last breath. You just keep standing. Jesus is just getting out of the boat. He's just getting out of the boat. And I believe he's just getting out of the boat in this city. He is just getting out of the boat in this city. Come on, somebody. He's just getting out of the boat in this city. All the murders, all the drug overdose, and all the religion that keeps us quiet. I believe he's about to get it out of the church. We need to get it out of our lives. I had a message. I'm not preaching it, am I yet? This religion thing, we're getting free. We're getting free because Jesus, he's not just Jesus. Mm -mm. This is Jesus. He didn't just die on a cross. He didn't just raise from the grave. When he was shedding his blood, he wasn't just pouring out his blood. It's not just finished. You're not just healed. It's not just the king, not just the son of God. It's not just Sunday morning. It's not just the Holy Spirit goosebumps. Come on, somebody. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive, and he's calling his people to rise up and live like him. And to do it, we got to let the religion go. That worry is about what are they going to think if I clap too loud? Why is that guy jumping over there? What's he so happy about? Who's he showing off for? Maybe he used to have a legion and he got set free. And it's your turn. We start talking about freedom and this starts to mess with us a little bit. Verse 18 and 20, we're gonna go there in just a second. We talk about freedom because the common next question that I've gotten and I've asked this in my life before and I've had a lot of people ask me this when we start talking about freedom and an encounter with Jesus and he wants to set you free. They have this moment with God but then you come along and uh, like I said, the devil kind of flares up again or you fall again, you make the same bad decision again and you start asking this question, well, if I'm free, why am I still struggling? Oh, I'm the only one? Okay. What, what if I got set free? Why do I still struggle with this? Why do I still think about it? Why am I still tempted? Hello. Why am I still tempted? Why doesn't it feel like it if I'm free? I had this friend in college. He had a pretty rough upbringing. Uh, his dad abused him a lot growing up and all kinds of messed up things happened. And then there was just a lot of things that went down. And as he started digging in and following Jesus as he was in college, uh, he kind of had this thing come up all the time where he just would wonder if he was gay. 
because he would have these thoughts, and then people told him, like, well, most people who grow up like that end up gay, and, and you kind of act like it sometimes, so you probably are. I mean, like, come on. There's this thing, like, he, would, he was like, he's like, I'm not gay, but I feel like I should be. And like, Jesus set me free. I used to struggle with that, or I used to struggle with this, and, all, and this temptation, and all these sorts of things. I know Jesus set me free, but it was like every few months, he would come over to my house and be like, Andrew, it's back again. Like, why won't Jesus just set me free from this? Why am I still tempted? Why am I still thinking about this? Why, if I'm healed, if I'm free, why do I keep running into this? And the next thought is, I must not be free. But there's some secrets about the devil that the devil doesn't want you to know. One of them is, just because there's devils around you doesn't mean they're in you. You need to write that down. Just because there's devils around you doesn't mean they're in you. That'll help. Here's how we know. 18 and 20. Oh, that's not the one I want to do. We'll get there in a second. The reason I know that just because the devils are around you doesn't mean they're in you is because Jesus didn't send the devils out of the country. He just sent them out of the man. And then 18 and 20, man says, Jesus, let me come with you. He says, no, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Who was waiting for him? Every one of those demons that got sent out, they're still in the country. And you know, he, he how, many, how many of you know he's walking around in between sharing the gospel with somebody, he's having a bad day and he's wondering, man, it feels good to cut again. Just let this out. Doesn't mean the devils are back in him. They're just knocking on his door again. Just because they're around you doesn't mean that they're in you. Here's some more secrets for you. You like you these secrets? Three people's enough because three people set free can do a lot. You see what this one guy did? Decapolis. It means 10 cities. They all got saved. That means we got at least 30 in here. Here's a little secret the devil doesn't want you to know. When you get tempted, it's not because you aren't free. It's just because the devil hates you. I know that's like not nice to say, but it's true. He's a thief. His one agenda in your life, steal, kill, destroy. Sounds like hate, okay? I'm making a jump there, but bear with me. Thank you, Sam. It's just because the devil hates you and he's trying to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. To me, that's really disarming. <laughs> like, oh, great. That means I'm on the right track. So, therefore... When you get tempted, don't get discouraged that you've been beaten by the devil. Get excited that it's your turn to beat the devil. We haven't been told this enough in church. If Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, what did he send us out to do? I like this stuff. Because this means you're not just a Christian. Woo! The devil is trying to tell you you're chained when you're tempted. But he can't chain you. He's just reminding you that you're not chained. You're commissioned. You need to write that down too. You're not chained. You are commissioned. See, Jesus' mission on earth was not just a rescue mission. 
He didn't come just to rescue us from our sins. Jesus' mission was and is and always will be a counterterrorism mission. Okay. Jesus' mission was not just a rescue mission. Jesus' mission is, it was, and it's always been a counterterrorism mission. And when he saved you, he didn't just rescue you, he drafted you. And we can't just be Christians meeting in our churches trying to celebrate, oh, woo, we got rescued. Let's go out into a world and get beat again. No, you can't just celebrate you got rescued. It's time for the church to rise up and embrace the fact that we got drafted. We got drafted into the mission. We got drafted into the purpose. We got drafted into this counterterrorism mission. So we don't have to sit back and watch the world burn. We get to step in and be a part of Jesus setting people free. This is who you are. This is who you are and what the devil doesn't want you to know. This is why he skipped over Mark chapter 5 for too long in churches because Legion doesn't want you to know that he knows Jesus is bigger than him. He's just wondering if you do. Who got a revelation of Jesus in the story? It wasn't the devils. When Jesus showed up on the boat, Jesus didn't need to preach a word. They came up Jesus, Son of the Most High God, we are at your mercy. Don't torment us. We don't want to leave, but we can't stay if you tell us to. We know we have nothing that we can do against you, Jesus. They were worshiping better than some people in church. The man didn't get free when his devils got a revelation of Jesus. He got free when he got a revelation of Jesus. You're not chained. You are commissioned. And when Jesus sets you free from your chains, he commissions you to be a chain breaker. Jesus, let me come with you on your little mission. No, man, go home. Go home. Tell everybody. Go break some chains, son. And Jesus has given us a simple strategy for walking out our commission. We've done some secrets. Can we give some strategy this morning? How are we doing? I'm having a blast. I was going to preach this last week, if you remember, but then we did something different. So this has just been stirring. It's been stirring. This is my thing. I like beating the devil. want you to write this down. We live our commission when we make our confession. We live our commission when we make our confession. In verse 19, Jesus tells him, go tell everyone what the Lord, what, has done for you. Revelation 12, verse 11 says this. And they have conquered him, being the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. This guy cut commissioned with nothing but a testimony. He hung out with Jesus for like a week and got sent out to reach an unreached people group in a nation that didn't know Jesus. <laughs> That's not allowed. <laughs> he got sent out with nothing but a testimony. And like I said, the next time he wanted to cut himself, because you know he wanted to cut himself, just like you wanted to do that thing. I mean, come on, we've all been there, right? It was ha- it's habit. Of course we want to go back to it. It's all we know. Of course we want to go back to it. Of course he had the thought sometime. He's stressed out a little bit too much. Man, it would just feel good to go back and do it again. Maybe that would do it. But he didn't need Jesus to come and give him another breakthrough. He didn't need Jesus to come get off the boat again. He just needed to remember what happened last time Jesus got off the boat. Sometimes we're praying for another breakthrough. We just need to hold on to the last one. Mm. 
It's not nice, but it's good, and it'll help you. The devil's going to come knocking on the same door that he got kicked out of. You need to know that. Expect it. But he's not coming knocking because he's wondering because he forgot what Jesus did for you. He's wondering if you forgot. All you got to do, keep it shut. Let me hear you say, I'm going to keep it shut. Your confession of your testimony, your confession of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. My favorite crowd to preach to is hell. Am I allowed to say that in church? When I was graduated college, I was doing this discipleship school ahead and I got married. My job, I graduated a business degree from a great business school. I was doing a part-time door-to-door window cleaning sales. That felt good. Walking up the doors, having people tell me this and that about who I am and who I'm not and how annoying I am and what kind of worthless piece of trash I am and interrupting their day and their TV show. They had a lot going on, you know. Feeling a whole lot of discouragement, a whole lot of the devil telling me, people have been telling you you're gifted. Clearly not. You thought God had a call on your life. You thought you were smart graduating from that school. You thought that you were learning some stuff. You thought all this sort of thing making me want to hate myself, think I'm a loser, all these kinds of stuff. And there was these verses I had to memorize, not because the school made me to the discipleship school that I was going through, but because I needed to remind the devil that I remember who I am. He knew who I was. That's why he didn't want me to remember so much. But I had to remember this verse. From the body of my mother, he named my name. Starts off like this. Listen, O coastlands. Listen, all you peoples from afar. And I would be walking down the sidewalk. Door here, sidewalk there. Walk around, go to the next house, okay? Turning around, got told, okay, thank you. One time I told this lady, hey, can I pray for you? I don't appreciate that. All right. Listen, devils, every single one of you. The Lord has called me. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. Like a polished arrow, he has hid me away in his quiver. He has put me away. And he has told me, you are my servant, Andrew, in whom I will be glorified. A few verses later, he says, it's too small a thing for the tribes of Israel to come back and for Judah to be restored. I will make you a lighthouse to the nations that my, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. The devil knew what God called me to. He just wanted to know if I did. And when he comes knocking on your same door, he doesn't forget. He doesn't need a big reminder. Just keep the door shut. Oh, I'm running out of time because I'm talking too much. But I'm preaching the gospel to somebody. We live our commission when we make our confession. Here we go. 1 John 1, 5 and 6 says this. Chris, I'm about to move quick. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light. Somebody say, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. This, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This is, what does it take to walk in the light? Confession. Okay, God, you're light. No darkness in you. So I'm just gonna let my life life be in the light. I'm gonna tell you everything. I'm gonna share my testimony. Your testimony turns the lights on. When you step into darkness, your testimony turns the lights on. 1 John 1 goes on to say this in verse 7, 8, and 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we walk in the light, we don't just confess to God, but we have fellowship with one another, and we confess to one another. This is one thing we also don't like to talk about in church. Confess my sins to God, sounds good, makes sense. Confess it to somebody else, nope, not interested. What are they going to think? Okay, you know, me and a few people have had that fear before. But I don't, I don't understand this. I don't know why it's like this, but the truth is that there is part of being washed in the blood of Jesus, being cleansed from all unrighteousness. There's part of walking in the light and having fellowship with one another by confessing our sins to each other. So there is a measure of walking in the light. There is a measure of fellowship and a measure of being cleansed that only comes when you start confessing to somebody else. Doesn't mean you gotta tell everybody everything. We don't have time to dig into all the practicals of that but you probably know what you need to do because you've been choosing not to do it for a while. Anybody else? (laughs) I know it's scary. What are people going to think? And I get that. But there is a chain-breaking power in confessing stuff to other people. And it's true. It's true. I've been there, and I've seen hundreds of people experience it. And it's your turn, too. Because you're no longer a slave to fear. You're a child of God. So even if they do judge you, it doesn't matter because God's not. (laughs) Should we have the band come up and we'll worship a little bit? Awesome. Are we doing okay? This man's past told of what happened when he ran into some devils, but his testimony told of what happened when his devils ran into Jesus. And I want you to walk out in your confidence, in confidence this morning in your commission. My question this morning is what could happen with some Jesus people? What could happen with some Jesus people in a city that didn't just believe they were saved, they believed they were sent? Who believed they weren't chained, they were commissioned to be chain breakers. What could happen? Come on, somebody. What could happen with some Jesus people who decided, you know what, my Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, so I'm going to too. Not only would we stop putting up with some of the stuff he's doing in our lives, but the people around us are gonna start getting free. Because you are called, you're a warrior, you're a son, you're a child of the most high God to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Can we stand this morning as we close? Anybody outside of the front row encouraged? I was just wondering if maybe only my spit gets you encouraged. Apparently not. Okay, that's good. So what do we do? We, we want to be people who respond, Amen. I want to respond like this guy. Jesus set him free and he just kept coming back to Jesus. Let me come with you. And Jesus said, go do this. Okay, great, I'll go do that. He just had to let it go. He just had to be a part of it. So if Legion has you this morning, it's time to come to Jesus. It's just time to come to Jesus. That's what you need. That's what you need is a touch from Jesus. We're gonna have some people off to the side like we always do, just a prayer team. If you need somebody to pray with you or there's something that you've got to let out that you don't know how to let out any other way, just come talk to somebody and let them pray for you. Let them pray for you this morning. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. If you've never confessed your need for him, now is your time. Now is your morning. Don't let this morning pass without it. We're gonna worship. We're gonna sing a song of victory this morning. Chris, I think everything's muted. (laughs) We're going to need that, right? Can we smile?
I know it's a super serious moment, but guess what? The devil's beaten whether we're smiling or not, whether we're serious or not, because Jesus is alive this morning. We're going to sing a song of victory, and I want to encourage you. Some of you, I don't know what your step is, but you've got to take a step. You've got to take a step towards Jesus. Whatever legion is, don't be afraid. Bring it to Jesus. Whatever your fear is, whatever that regret is, that decision, that abuse, that pain, that disappointment, it's been holding you back. Be honest this morning and let Jesus come and touch you and set you free. I'm going to pray for us as we worship. We're going to sing a song called Great Are You, Lord. This is the song of victory in the church this morning. Amen? Go ahead and close your eyes as we pray. Jesus, we love you. We love you, God, and I thank you that you always get out of the boat in our land. You always come, and you always find us, and you always set us free. Lord, I pray that right now, by the Holy Spirit, you would highlight in us the areas that we need to let go, that we need to bring to you, and that you set us free from. God, I pray that we wouldn't hold on to it just because it's familiar. I pray that we wouldn't just hold on to it because we're scared of what's going to happen, or we wouldn't hold on to it because we're scared of what somebody else might look like. I pray a commissioning over your people this morning as you set us free. Not only, Lord, do you want to break our chains, but you want to send us out to break others' chains. I pray, God, that you'd open up our eyes to the, to the workplace, the friends, the spheres, the circles, the nations, God, who are going to have their chains broken because we stepped up and let you break ours. Let it be, God. I want everybody to raise your hands this morning. If you, want to, if you want freedom this morning, I want you to raise your hands. Don't let them get chained down to your pockets anymore. Don't let them get chained down into what you've been called your whole life, who you thought you were. Get set free in the name of Jesus.